You're listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Dane. Welcome back to another episode of Reach, Teach, Talk, and today we're going to talk about coaching and teaching and the intersection between both. And it's interesting because the coaching industry has grown so much in terms of like career coaching, life coaching, this focus on what a one-to-one personalized coach is, yet we also, obviously, with Reach, Teach, Talk, we're spending a lot of time talking about teaching and building relational teaching and how relationships impact the student-teacher relationship. And also, you can't think about school, at least K-12 school, or even university, without also thinking about the inter- interlay with athletics and the importance of athletics um, in education and, in, and the, the importance of building community when you have a you know, when you're all cheering for the same team, you're on the same side of the field, same side of the court, you're, and also just as a teacher, you're looking at students in a very, very different light. And, you know, when I, when I started teaching back in the 90s, um, it was expected for me to, for all teachers, really, to teach and then to also coach and to maybe run clubs or the yearbook or student council, all that good stuff. And it was expected. And I was like, wow, this is such a great way for me to see the students that I taught, you know, seventh grade history or eighth grade English, to see those students um, in a different light. And to watch them on the field, to watch them, you know, physical coordination, to watch how they communicated with each other, to watch how they collaborated with each other. And it's this idea, right, that they're setting a goal, um, honestly, like, you know, 12, 13-year-old, 14-year-old mindset, a goal to win, uh, one single goal. But really, it's also the idea of piecing, picking apart, like, what is it to be a winning team? It's, it's not, is it a bunch of showboats combined together? Or, you know, as we've learned in many cases, it's not about just getting the best, um, recruiting the best and, and expecting that they would work together. There is a new nuance and a finesse to that. So anyhow, a coach, a good coach recognizes that nuance and a good coach um, knows his individual or her individual athletes uh, in, in, in just deep, deep, many multi-layered ways. And yet also, as we keep arguing with um, the, both this podcast and also in, in my book, Time to Teach, Time to Reach, that teaching also, um, relational teaching involves one-to-one approach, teacher to student, knowing your students, knowing them as individuals, not just as test scores or quantitative uh, measurements. So today I thought, gosh, how can, how can we build a Reach Teach Talk episode with a guest who can combine his knowledge in both teaching and coaching? And before I, before I introduce our guest formally, I would like to also bring your attention to a website called teachercoach.com, uh, based in New Jersey, yet very, very well recognized all around the U.S. Uh, this website really promotes teacher, the teacher as coach, the teacher as, um, well, we'll define what coaching is during this episode, but this website, teachercoach.com, really promotes the idea of a teacher as a coach and provides many resources, hundreds, honestly, resources on their website to help teachers become better coaches, to help teachers nourish themselves, strengthen themselves, and um, and really uh, build the skills that excellent relational teachers and coaches bring to the classroom and to the field. So without much further ado, Alex Rosenblum is here with me today. He is a 10-year teacher and a 10-year, not tenured, 10-year teacher and a 10-year coach uh, football, and he is currently at Sierra Canyon School, a pre-K through 12 school in Chatsworth, California, in the North Valley of Los Angeles, and uh, I'm just so glad to have you here, Alex. I'd love to, you know, just turn the mic to you to give kind of your background, how you got to where you are today, because you are extremely well-recognized for what you do, both in the classroom and on the football field. Yeah, first, uh, just thank you for having me. This is really cool, you know, to be able to talk about two things that I love, coaching and teaching. 
And, uh, you know, I, uh, I struggled growing up as a learner in the classroom. I, uh, I struggled processing. I struggled reading and uh, being able to kind of analyze and interpret information. And sports really allowed me to get over any type of learning issues that I really had growing up. Um, also, I was a really hyperactive kid. I always wanted to run around. I was the kid in class. I was looking at the clock wondering when recess was, you know, because I couldn't wait to get out and play soccer or play football or just be active. Um, and as I got older, I realized, you know, if I can learn a football playbook, what's the difference from learning math or reading a book and understanding what I've read? So in a lot of ways, sports kind of helped me through learning, my learning issues. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I realized I had a lot of positive influences that kind of guided me through my youth and really good coaches, really good teachers that kind of influenced me to want to be able to teach and coach. So that's kind of how I got into the whole idea. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a coach. And when I got to college, I played football in college. My wide receivers coach was a guy named Scott Baumgartner, really great guy. And he told me one day, you know, I really think it'd be a good idea for you to get into teaching and coaching. You'd probably be pretty good at it. You love football, you know, you're, you're, you love learning and it'd probably be a good profession for you to get in. And that's really a big reason why I wanted to get into that. So, so walking it back, uh, when you were a young kid, maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into the kind of student that you were. Okay. If I were to have one of your teachers from elementary or middle school, particularly, you know, on the show and ask him or her, what was Alex Rosenblum like as a student? How would they describe you? And next question is going to be, how did you take to the field as a place of refuge in a sense? Yeah, I was the kid that was afraid to participate in class. Um, they probably would have said that I was the fidgety kid in the back that was always playing the drums on the desk, wearing my hood because I was afraid to get called on. But then I would get onto the football field or the soccer field, and it was like that was my comfort zone. I was faster than people. I you know, could do things that other people couldn't, and I wanted to express that on the field. And I feel like you talked about seeing students in a different light. I feel like for my teachers that had me in the classroom, if they were to see me on a field, they would have been like, that's two completely different kids. Explain that. So, so you in the classroom versus you on the field, two completely different kids. Give yeah. like three adjectives to describe both. Uh, okay, so me in the classroom, uh, quiet, shy, uh, nervous. Me in the field, aggressive, confident, uh, happy. And so. It's fascinating, right? Because that's two completely different descriptions of the exact same person, oh, yeah. which lends credit to so much to what we're talking about, about oh, yeah. knowing your students individually as individuals and understanding that as humans, we are complicated, we are nuanced. And um, it reminds me of like when we were in faculty meetings that are student-based and, and you know, those faculty meetings where, you know, you have a list of students you're going to talk about, oh, yeah. right? And, you know, so the science teacher, the math teacher, the English teacher, the history teacher, the, the coach, the whatever, oh, yeah. uh, art teacher, they all have a different lens on the same student. So if like your teacher, you know, was to describe you or sit in the coffee room with uh, your coach, right? It'd be totally... Two different perspectives on the same individual. Yeah. You know, we have kids in our football program who struggle in learning. And, you know, I coach the offensive line. Offensive line is one of the hardest positions to play, to understand. There's so much going on that you have to understand. And to the untrained eye, you know, just block the guy in front of you. That's not how it is. You have to make calls. You have to be able to, to process information and then apply that information at the drop of a pin. And so, you know, to play the position of center, it's really complex. And 
you know, you could talk about our offensive linemen in the classroom and some of the teachers would, would never understand how they could accomplish what they accomplish on the field based on what they see in the classroom. Right, right. And I'm thinking about how it might have been a transition for you going from elementary school to middle school because the way you viewed school, um, did it change? So that actually didn't happen until high school because my middle school, we didn't really have a, a middle school sports program. I played club soccer. Mm-hmm. My parents wouldn't let us play football until we got to high school, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of funny because all I ever wanted to do growing up was play football. My grandfather kind of instilled that in us. And then when I got to, f- to high school and I got to play football, it was like, you know, the wheels were off. I was ready to, to go. And I, I literally would count the hours until football practice yeah. throughout throughout the day. You know, I would yes. look at the clock. Okay, what time is football practice? And that, in a lot of ways, that got me through school. Yes. Um, I didn't get the best grades early on in high school until I started to figure out that I could actually understand. I, I learned how to learn when I was kind of probably a sophomore or junior in high school. Um, was there a catalyst for that? Was there a certain teacher who uh, oh, yeah. kind of gave you that? Yeah, a guy named Mr. Smith. He was my English teacher my junior year of high school. And... You know, I was good at sports and I thought I was the best. And I, he kind of knocked me down a couple of pegs. He said, listen, you're five foot eight. You're not the fastest guy in the world. You might think you are, but you're not. And if you don't start to understand what's happening in the classroom, you're going to struggle when you get out of this place. And he sat me down, had me come to his office during lunch, and we read The Great Gatsby together. And I remember being so intrigued by The Great Gatsby. And he always used to, he always used to do these voices for when he would read different characters. And uh, he used to always read that the old sport. I don't know if you remember that from Gatsby. Totally do. He used to always say that, and he used to crack me up. But <laughs> he really, I mean, he he got me interested in that book. And from that point forward, he had me locked in. It take it only takes one, yeah. right? It only takes one. Yeah. And and um, it's interesting because the power of words and the power of um, belief is, yeah. is so important. And yeah, one of the other cool things about Mr. Smith is when I went on to college and played football, he was a University of Washington fan. In my freshman year of college, we were at the University of Nevada, and we went up to Washington, and we beat him. And I remember talking to him on the phone, and he was so excited for me. Even though he was a Washington fan, he was so excited for me. <laughs> and that was one of the coolest things, to have a relationship with your teacher after you were not in high school anymore. To, you know, that, to know that that person was still a fan of yours or a supporter of yours, even though you weren't in the school anymore, yes. that was awesome. But Alex, i got to get back to this guy, because I'm thinking now, we had a guest on recently who was talking about communication, and he was talking about how to have difficult conversations with, in his case, he works with Fortune 500 companies, and he's a mediator, and a, is, he's really, a, a, actually, he's a coach. He's a leadership coach, a okay, business cool. coach. But he's a guy who, who, you know, CEOs call in to kind of have the difficult conversations or teach the managers how to have those conversations. Anyhow... And we had a great talk conversation about how you hold, how one holds those conversations. And what, what I'm thinking about is, didn't you say that, is it Mr. S- Mr. Smith is his name? Yeah, Mr. Smith. It is literally Mr. Smith. Like yeah. you're not using yeah. a euphem- euphemism. Okay. Yeah. So Mr. Smith, um, he told you that you don't have a future in the NFL, basically, right? He said, you're, you know, you're 5'8", you're running back. And I was wide receiver. Ah, wide receiver. Okay. So, <laughs> if I was but, a running back, that might have been okay. Yeah, right. Actually, true. But, but, but he was giving you like bad news in a sense. Oh yeah. So I don't understand how somebody who gave you that bad news ended up connecting with you. Well, I think in a lot of ways he was like, you need to have a more realistic approach to the world around you. Very few people actually make it to the NFL. Very few people actually make it to college. And I actually, I I walked on to the university of Nevada. Most people that walk on don't even make it. And, uh, and I think he was kind of like, I'm going to break this to you now so that you're not disappointed later. And I don't know why, but something about that just clicked with me. Like, hmm, nobody's ever really had that conversation with me before where, hey, 
there's a lot of people just like you in this world. And what's going to set you apart from those other people? That's huge. That's absolutely huge. If you don't know how to read and write, oh you're not going to be able to communicate with people moving forward. You need to start to take an interest in this stuff. And, right. and for some reason, that clicked. Right. And uh, the other thing I think about it, too, was my dad was really interested in The Great Gatsby. And I remember talking to my dad about it. And I think the fact that my dad had that interest, Mr. Smith had that interest, and it kind of like, I think it sparked that interest in me a lot, too. Yeah, it all came together. Yeah. And and I love that, you know, Mr. Smith was delivering that information. Yeah. Um, and you didn't walk away and you didn't say, oh, forget it, I'm going to be that guy. I mean, it, you know, you could easily also have still in your mind thought, but I could still beat those right. odds. Right. Because okay. um, you continue to play football yeah. and do incredibly I did well. Right. Yeah, you I did quite all right. Yeah. Um, but he also gave you kind of another outlet. Like I see yeah. something in you, Alex, sure. that you might not even see in yourself, which is you can appreciate literature. I've seen, you know, it, 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 you know, just did he tap into, am I right to assume that he tapped oh, into yeah. an academic strength that you might not have even known about yourself? Oh yeah. It's funny. Cause whenever I talk to specifically football players and not to generalize football players, but that's just who I work with the most. And they don't read as often as they should. And I always tell them that, you know, if you struggle reading, there's probably a reason for it. You probably don't do it often enough. Just like with any skill, the more you catch the ball, you're going to become better at catching the ball. The more you read, it might not happen right away, but if you read frequently, you're going to start to develop a little bit more of an of a expanded vocabulary. You're going to start to understand words a little bit better, a little bit differently. You know? So the more you read, the better you get at reading. The more you run a certain route or the more you work a certain technique, the, the better you're going to get at it just through the repetition of it. And it takes time and it's not just going to happen overnight. But the more you read, you know, the more you're going to understand what you've read. So in that way, you're being both coach and teacher to your football team. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's when I, when I talk to my offensive line about understanding you know, certain plays. When you teach them something for the very first time, they struggle at it. And then they run it and they run it and they run it and they understand the concept and then they see it versus a different defense and then they start to be able to apply the rule that they've learned to whatever they're seeing in front of them. And it, again, it's, it's the repetition of having done it and having done it and having done it. The cool thing about being at a place like Sierra Canyon where we only have, you know, one football program. I mean, we coach every single kid that comes into our program. And uh, when I get them as freshmen and we teach them a concept when they're in ninth grade and they stick through it all four years, by the time they're juniors, my job as a coach isn't to teach them the offense anymore. It's to build the relationship. We had a group of kids last year. We had four seniors on our offensive line, which is, is rare. But it, for a coach, it's awesome. Those guys could coach the team better than I could because they're the ones actually experiencing it. And so after the first two years of coaching those guys up and getting to know them and build a relationship, by the time they were juniors and seniors, it wasn't me coaching them hard or yelling at them. It was me just having fun with them and talking to them. And, and the whole way that we coached them was different. And it's funny because now this year, all those seniors graduated. So we've got a brand new offensive line, five brand new guys that have never played together. Some of them are new to the school and don't know the offense. And it's a struggle for those guys right now. And they're starting to pick it up, and now we're in the playoffs, and we actually played really well last night, which is pretty cool. Um, but, like, last night it clicked for a lot of those guys. And so I always – and we get all these kids back. That's the best part about it. They're all going to be seniors next year. And I always tell them, the best part about what we have right now is that we're learning how to work with each other. We're building the relationships. We're learning the offense. And you guys are learning to work together as a group. And – I can't wait to see what next year looks like because we get every single one of those kids back. They're going to have a better understanding of who I am. They're going to have a better understanding of our offense. And they're going to be able to play with the confidence that 
I don't need to be, you know, so tough on them all the time. I don't need to be right behind them. I can let them figure it out and talk to each other and, and almost coach each other up. Okay, if there's one theme that I just heard from this incredible uh, lens on coaching that you just <laughs> shared. Ramble. It's your philosophy. It's a beautiful ramble. And someday I hope it's, it, it, you write a book about this because yeah. this is incredible. We always joke about Our coaches have always joked about We need to write a book someday. You really ought to. Yeah. <laughs> or you, yeah. sure, several books. I mean, I'll, just, I'll hit you up for some information on that. Absolutely. But, but if there's one theme that, that just came out of that, it's the idea of you removing yourself and finding the right time to extricate yourself and letting them. There's a point. You said clearly there's a point with those four that, you know, junior year or so they you'd worked with them since freshman by junior year you were able to let them kind of almost coach themselves you said oh yeah that's that's tremendous because that involves you know observation reflection and getting your own ego out of the way oh yeah that's that's the biggest thing is is to you have to remove yourself at times but i kind of liken it to if you think about like learning an offense Mm -hmm. have you ever read the same book like three or four times yeah okay and every time you read it it's a little different. It's a little bit different, but also you feel like you understand it a little bit better, right? Absolutely. And so imagine reading the same book for three years and you're getting different points and different pieces to the point where you're an expert on that book. Yes. That's the offense. Yes. When these kids get to the point where they, they know every intricate detail of the offense, that's when I get to kind of step back and let them do their thing. Wow, you're absolutely right. And, I can, and as a teacher, yeah. you know, if you if you've got kids who students who are who have built the foundation, who have who know how to write the essay in the structure that you you know you've been working with them on for months and months and months, right? Then you can do this, and usually around the spring, yeah. you know, spring is is when that kind of can happen in a really successful classroom. And it's it's funny because right now, with, well, with the middle schoolers, we were teaching them the introduction to writing a thesis. Uh, and when you introduce that uh, to middle schoolers, it's a complex concept. Totally. And they look at it and they're like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Right, right. And you introduce the same concept with different materials, you know, similar concept, different material. By the second semester, you start to see these kids picking it up. Yes. And it's awesome. Yes. And then, you know, in our history department too, we have a, you know, our history chair is a guy named Hutch Bibby and he's awesome. And, uh, you know, he's, he wants to make sure that what we're teaching in seventh grade is going to make its way into eighth grade, and they're going to build on that in ninth grade. And it's really cool, especially with our ninth grade teachers, and that they're seeing these kids doing the writing, the introduction in seventh grade, and then taking a step further in eighth grade. And by the time they're in ninth grade, they understand the process of how we want them writing. Yes. And then they get to put their own you know, characteristics and touches to it by the time they're in ninth grade. Yes. They get to build a new foundation with yes. those teachers. So it's pretty cool. And, and it goes back to what you were saying about how, what a privilege it is to coach a team or to coach athletes that you start, you have a four-year relationship, your oh, word, yeah. but absolutely applicable. Um, you have that four-year relationship with oh, them yeah. starting in ninth grade, going up to, to senior year yeah. and, and being able to watch them grow. And, and just like that example you gave with the teachers, kind of handing, handing off the students grade oh, yeah. to grade, but not losing what they learned in the previous yeah. year. It's scope and sequence, but really being exactly. mindful of that. And it's great at a place like Sierra Canyon where, you know, we have the small classrooms and we have, you know, the attention to detail with the teachers and the students, it's so cool. Even though I don't teach that student when they move into eighth or into ninth grade, you still have the relationship with the teacher, you still have the relationship with the student that when you see them around campus, you ask them how things are going, you talk to the teacher about, hey, how's so-and-so doing? And they, you get to kind of keep that, like, the, the communication between, you know, the, the adult, the student, you know, it's just the, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just the way that everybody kind of works together for the betterment of the student. Yes. You know, and it's the same thing with the fo- with football or yeah. with, with sports in general. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's getting me thinking about how with teaching, it, you can have a mindset, honestly, as a teacher, and I've been guilty of this in the past, my deep past when I was teaching English about, 
just sometimes you think it's your class is the only class and it's my class and this is look at the progress they're yeah. making here and you forget right that like they've got there's like so seven much that those classes. kids have going on during the day you right. all, you always lose sight of it that's know? right that's right and i think there's room for that in a sense that ego or the hubris is is there's i mean it's good to have teachers feel like all right you know yeah. as a student i imagine i'd rather have i'd rather see a confident teacher who you know thinks that we are the center of, of his world <laughs> right <laughs> copernican teaching yeah. um but then it, but I imagine also, obviously, with coaching, it's like the coach is not the showboat. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it depends on where you are as far as that goes. I think with our coaching staff, I think we one of the things that makes our coaching staff successful is the lack of an ego. You know, if somebody wants to step in and coach one of my guys, I'm going to let him do it, especially because I trust those guys and I feel like this coach is a successful coach and he knows what he's talking about. And why is he talking to that kid? Because he wants for them the same thing that I want for them. He wants them to be successful. Wow. And, uh, you know, we have a, our head coach is a guy named John Ellinghouse, who he actually played offensive line. I never played offensive line before. I was a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And when I first started coaching for him, he, he had to teach me a lot about coaching. I had to learn how to coach the offensive line. When you don't play offensive line, you don't have a clue what's going on. And that's why I wanted to do it. I wanted to learn a little bit more, you know, more about the position. You know, to broaden your experience. Yeah, I wanted to learn, you know. And trust me, the first two years of doing that was the – my mind was, it was, but John, you know, he's an, an experienced offensive lineman and an experienced and successful offensive line coach. And I was struggling my first two years doing this. And he sat me down one time, and this is actually kind of going right back to relational teaching. We were sitting in his backyard at his house. I, I, he called me over kind of late and he said, uh, Alex, right now you're new to this still, but these kids aren't buying into you. You weren't an offensive lineman. You are, you know, you're still learning a lot. You need to get these kids to believe in you and want to run through a brick wall for you. You need to change your approach to the way that you're teaching these kids. You need to get them to love you. And that was like, to me, at, you know, when you hear something like that as a coach, your ego comes in like, what, you know, what's this guy talking about? I know what I'm doing. But I really took a step back and it's something that, that happened eight years ago, maybe seven years ago now. And uh, it's, it's something I think about all the time, especially when coaching offensive linemen. I mean, they're a different type of kid. And so you've got to you've got to get these kids to first off love you, know that you care about them, know that you want their best interest, but also know that you're in it with them. If they mess up, they know they've messed up. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to you need to not just just berate them and yell at them, which mm -hmm. you know I'm guilty of at times. It happens, you're, you know, especially being passionate about something like that. Uh, but at the end of the day, these kids need to know more than anything else that you care about them and that you want to see them succeed. And something I think about all the time in coaching is. Am I doing that? Am I making sure that these kids know that I care about them? Or am, I, or am I making sure that these kids know that I love them? And that's really been one of the reasons that we've been successful at our school is because of we, whether it's the sports or whether it's the classroom, the kids know that we're passionate about what they're doing. So getting, so, so getting to the main debate topic of our conversation, yeah. Alex, is, it, is coaching and teaching identical is 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 it is it the same priorities building relationships uh showing them you love them getting them to say i'm going to run through a brick wall for my teacher or my coach um there was one time in this conversation only one that you actually used the word teach instead of coach when we were talking about football so i'm wondering and my, my you know do you look at them as identical or is there oh, they're some so difference? similar I, I don't know that they're identical but there are so many similarities uh i think you can kind of i think you can kind of push the envelope a little bit more on the football field or in that in that athletic setting in terms of like allowing your emotions and your passion to kind of guide your coaching and your teaching 
I think in the classroom, you're kind of restricted and, and there's such a more, there's such a, a broad or diverse setting in the classroom. And I think one of the things that Sierra Canyon is on the football field, it's all guys and they all are competitive and they're all, you know, with like a similar mentality. We're here to win and we're here to play and we're here to have fun. In the classroom, depending on what you teach, you know, you have some kids that love history. You have some boys that are, you know, really into, you know, World War II. But then you have some, you know, some of the girls that aren't into history or maybe they don't connect to World War II in the same way that, so you have a very diverse, I think, uh, audience in the classroom. And I think on the football field or in the athletics realm, it's less diverse in terms of what people want or what people enjoy. So, you know, in the classroom, not everybody enjoys history. Not everybody connects to math. Not everybody understands science. Mm -hmm. On the football field, it's more kind of funneled into, this is what we're here for, this is what we signed up for, and this is what we're doing. That's great. And it gets me, it gets me thinking about um, when you were, you were saying earlier that you played soccer yeah. uh, in elementary middle school, right? But did you know that you had skills for football? Did you did you know that you you know did you know that you had a yeah I sense confidence. for yes sure. a confidence for football sure because there's there's a theory right about the difference between teaching and coaching is that let me get let me get this right is that um, when you're teaching you are responsible for the imparting of information that's new to as you said a very wide okay yeah right yeah, right a diverse audience a diverse audience and when you're coaching you're facilitating what these your, your, your team, what your team actually has in them. So in a sense, right. And, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this quote. Cause it's not, you know, etched in stone. It's not this, that's not like the answer. Cause there's, I don't know if there is a perfect answer for teaching versus coaching, but what do you think about that? Because you're, you know, the idea that when you're teaching, you're, 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 um, you're transferring new information to a very wide array, but when you're coaching, you, it's like, you're pulling out. It's almost like with a when you're teaching, you're pushing, and when, when you're, you're coaching, coaching, you're, you're pulling. pulling. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, I think uh, when you're when you're teaching, it's kind of like I was talking about when you're when you're teaching how to write a thesis. You're using different content to teach the same skill. And I think that's the similarity in football or in coaching. It's it's you're teaching the same technique with you know maybe a different defense or maybe a different you know, understanding of, or you have to change the rule for something, but there's still a reason behind it. That's the same as it was before, you know, teaching a thesis is going to be teaching a thesis, regardless of what you're writing about. Teaching an offense is going to be teaching an offense, regardless of who you're playing against. The more I'm talking with you and the more I'm hearing about your approach to coaching, the more I make the similar, I, I take these traits that you're talking about and, and apply them to teaching. I mean, it's about belief. It's about showing that you love them. It's about, you know, engendering a sense of team in the classroom. Um, even though the, but, but it's, it's, that's hard. That's yes. one of the hardest things. Harder in the Remember, classroom I think than we, on the field. We were at dinner a couple of weeks ago with, uh, with Tom Fennell, one of the greatest people I know. Yes. Um, legendary teacher. And, uh, I was struggling with one of my classes, uh, in 11th grade class. That's got some social stuff going on and it's kind of a, it's my, it's my challenging class. And, and I remember talking to you about it and I said, man, I just had a, it didn't go the way I wanted it to. And you said, well, it's funny cause you look at it as this class needs to be perfect. This class didn't go well, blah, blah, blah. And they're looking at it as like class, 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 class. Do you remember what the quote <laughs> totally, was? I don't remember the exact totally. quote. It was, it was a teacher that I interviewed at Andover and, uh, and he was saying, um, it was one day that, that I had, you know, this student came up to me and was like, you know, Mr. Domina, 
you, you know, you're really concerned about, you know, how did that class go? Yeah. It's so clear that you're concerned about, oh, was it a good class or not a good class? But all I'm thinking is class, 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 class. Exactly. Right. So it was gets back to the point earlier about the ego in the teacher. Yeah. Remember what I said that yeah. in the conversation, right? The ego in the teacher and saying, oh, it's all about me. It's all about my class. Yeah, this exactly. This is all that matters. You, you have to see the big picture. These but, kids are going right. through seven different classes right. today. And they've got football practice and afterwards. And they've got football practice after. <laughs> right. But in terms of like building the team environment in the classroom, sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't, you know? And it's, I guess that's the, that's the same with a successful team. You know, our most talented teams have not always been our most successful. Our closest teams have always been successful. Define closest. The, the kids that love each other, the kids that there's no drama, there's no there's no behind the scenes stuff going on. They're willing to play for each other through thick and thin no matter what. It's harmony. Exactly. And, and one of my, so I had a middle school class two years ago and it was just a great group of kids, bright kids. Not all of them were A students, but they all had the, a similar mentality. They all loved, you know, the environment they came in and it felt like a team and I, it's funny cause I could pick out the kids in that class. I could probably name three fourths of that class without even, you know, from two years ago, from two years ago, just because of what they brought to the classroom. Mm -hmm. I looked forward to that class on a daily basis. I couldn't wait to have them and mm -hmm. they were fun and I see them all the time and they still talk about how much fun that class was. And you know, it's funny that same year we won a state championship in football and, and same thing. I mean, we could talk, I could tell you every single offensive lineman, every play, every player that was, that stuck out in my mind and both what they have in common was the kids in the class all got along. They all liked each other and they all enjoyed learning in that environment, that football team, they all got along, they all played hard for each other and they all loved, you know, what we were doing within that environment. When you think about environment, the word environment, um, maybe come up with, if you can, like three elements that you as a coach and as a teacher ensure that you bring to your your classroom and, and your, 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 you know, your, your practice. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things that a teacher, Jenny Hernandez taught me a couple of years ago when I was first teaching, she said, if you're in the classroom and you're not having fun and these kids aren't having fun, something's missing. So you have to make it fun. You, you could be going, you know, it's never fun to lose, but you could be having a rough season and still make it fun for those kids and make them want to be there. So you have to make them want to be there somehow. You have to have something in you that, that attracts those kids to go, I want to be around Mr. Rosemont. He brings a positive energy. So, okay. So is, or most of the time, ever. have you had positive energy? I'll be honest with you. It's okay. No Not worries. Perfect. You did say, you, you know, you'll, you'll rip, you'll, you'll, you'll rip, rip, rip the team when they deserve a, a, a kind of a yeah. smackdown. But then of course you, you come back <laughs> together afterwards. Right. Um, but I'm thinking, have you, have you had a bad losing season before? And, and oh, yeah. so how, so how do you keep the positivity? Uh, it's tough. I mean, you got to kind of manufacture it some way, you know, taking the kids to, you know, get food or, or you know, building some type of, of bonding experience. And, you know, that team that, you know, it was my second year at Sierra Canyon. We were, we went five and six and uh, everything that could go wrong did go wrong kind yeah. of thing. Like injuries and. Yeah, we injuries. had, you know, our best offensive lineman got hurt. Our quarterback, you know, got hurt. It, it was just one of those scenarios where it was like when it rains, it pours. Yes. Um, but we found a way to kind of like keep those kids engaged. I remember Coach House telling me, you know, the best way to an offensive lineman heart is through a stomach brought those kids in and out. We, you know, we, we spent a lot of time here. And also, you know, sometimes you learn more through failure than you do from constant success, you know, and Absolutely. that rough season going five and six that year, the next year we ended up going, I think, you know, 12 and two, we made it to the semifinals of CIF. Awesome. The next year we were CIF champs. The next year we were state champs. And so we kind of like took that, took our lumps that year, yeah. but we kind of like, in a lot of ways it strengthened us through, through the losing and through the tough times and through the, you know, through the adversity. Yes. So, I don't know how, how you how you 
keep the positivity is just by showing up, having a positive attitude and enjoying the fact that you get to coach and do what you love on a daily basis. And the kids, they have, they have to see that. They do have to see yeah. that. And it's interesting because it's not, I guess I'm separating being positive versus being nice. Yeah. Do, do you see the difference? Yeah. I mean, you can't always be nice. Right. Um, you can be positive. You can, you can have positive, constructive criti- criticism, um, but it's not always going to be nice. Do you have that same approach in the classroom? When oh, you're... yeah. And it's kind of like you were talking about. How do you have that conversation that Mr. Smith had with me with your students? And that's a tough one. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to give them that feedback that maybe they don't love to hear at the time. But it doesn't matter if they love it at the time. It's how is that going to impact them moving forward? With that effort that I know you have, maybe even more than you know in yourself, yeah. let's, you know, let's put this forward. If you can learn our offense... You can figure out how to interpret these term these terms on your your English paper. I didn't even think about this. You must teach some of the same people, some of the same kids that you coach. Yeah, that's uh, it, that's fun. I mean, like like I was telling you with one of our offensive linemen, he's he kind of struggled learning the offense, and now we're ten weeks in, and he's got a grasp of it. He's making the calls. He's telling everybody what's going on, and it's like he's the teacher on the field. And I have him in the classroom, and it's like, hey man, if you put in the same effort to understand what you read last night for homework as you did into learning the offense, yeah, it's going to take you some time, but you're going to get it if you put in that same attention to detail, that same focus. But what's tough is that kid loves football more than anything in the world. Doesn't love history more than anything in the world. I think that makes it, you know, that's the difference between the the classroom and the football field. That was like me when I was a kid. I wanted to play soccer more than anything. I wanted to, I couldn't wait to play football. I could wait to learn math and history and English. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize or prioritize that probably until after I got out of high school and even into college mm-hmm. or even early on when I was in college, I struggled. And, uh, that I told you about Scott Baumgartner. That was my wide receivers coach. He had that conversation with me like, Hey man, you've done a lot of really good things here. But how embarrassing would it be that you are not going to be able to play because you're academically ineligible. And that was the moment where I was like, Oh man, things need to change. I don't think I ever got underneath the 3.1 or 3.2 GPA after that. I academic all conference. And it was like, that was the turning point. That was another one of those Mr. Smith moments with Coach Baumgartner, who, when I think about people who have really had a positive influence on my life, I mean, he's been one of the most influential people, hands down, whether it was coaching me or, or having a positive influence or making me want to become a coach or teacher, you know, and it's, he's still one of my biggest mentors. Wow. Well, and he, Alex, this has just been amazing having you here because yeah, this, this, right. and it, maybe you can sum up better than I can. Just where do you think we came to in terms of um, the difference in the similarities between teaching and coaching? Um, I think that they are as close as you can get to being identical without they're not identical. They're different. Yes. You know, there's they're just maybe a, a few hairs of separation between what makes them the same. They're just there's a little bit, of, a little bit difference. You yes. know, they're not, they're not exactly the same, but they're very, very close. Very I good. will say, they both fall under that blanket of education. Yeah. What do you mean? You're learning in the classroom. You're learning on the field, but they're different avenues. And I think a meta message for this entire episode is the importance of having athletics programs, arts programs. Oh yeah, it, it, exactly. You know, it's funny because I talk to our arts teachers all the time, and they're coaches in a different realm. I mean, they're 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 coaching talents and techniques that we you know just in a different way too it's absolutely true it's the, absolutely the, true you know the um the director of the school play yeah is essentially just another version of our head coach yes you know yes so 
Yeah. But a different way to communicate to different types of students, you know. I don't think he's going to go in <laughs> yelling at them for, uh, oh, maybe he will. I don't know. But well, if they're not off book by, you know, a week before, you know, curtain rises, <laughs> yeah. if they're not off he's book, start putting a little then bit of new pressure the, on them. Then so. you put the, put the heat on, right? Yeah. There's a football coach named Chris Alt. He was the head coach at the University of Nevada. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. He's the innovator of the pistol offense. When I was playing football at the University of Nevada, Coach Alt, Coach Jim Mastro, Coach Baumgartner, and Chris Klanakis and uh, and uh, uh, Cameron Norcross. They went into a room together and they created this offense. And I didn't realize that at the time that what they were doing was like revolutionary in football. And I think back about like why I wanted to get into coaching. And yes, the camaraderie of teaching and working with the students. But those guys did something innovative that nobody else in the country had done. Explain. In creating this new offense, the pistol offense was brand new and revolutionary and people criticized it and, and critiqued it and made fun of it. And now everybody in the country runs it. Can you explain it? Is, is this something you can All they did words? was they took the running back and the quarterback and they moved the quarterback to four yards from the center and put the running back behind him. And it was something that nobody had done before. And it, it created so much to the new offense. I mean, and then all of a sudden they... Bratton, Colin Kaepernick. I don't know. You guys, sure, everybody knows Colin Kaepernick. And they, what we were running before we had Kaepernick, and then what we were running what we after we had Kaepernick. I mean, it changed the game of football. And to me, that was why. I mean, I idolized those coaches because of what they did. And they developed that as a team of coaches. Oh yeah, as a team of coaches, they were innovative. They took the game of football and they changed it. And yeah. John Ellinghouse and Mark Survey and and, the, and Ed Garcia, the guys that I coach with now. Not that we look at those coaches specifically, but that's what we do every week when we game plan. We try to be creative. We try to be innovative. We try to we try to put our kids in the best position to do what they do best. Yes. And it's fun because it's like creative and it's expressive. It's art in so many ways. So oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sport it. as art. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. It's, that's the grand finale right there. Grand finale. And and a flourish at the end there. And, and the idea of harmony. Uh, we'll leave we'll leave listeners with this notion of the importance of you know. It's, it's not about being the coach or the teacher and just being alone doing this. It's, oh, yeah. you know, it's building the team, both oh, yeah. the team of colleagues, teaching colleagues sure. and coaching uh, colleagues, and also obviously building your classroom team, building your football team, building, oh, yeah. you know, your, your, the, the team that's putting on, you know, Macbeth on the stage, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're building, including the set sure. designers. And Absolutely. The, you know, it's it's and then honestly, like that's what a school is too, and that's another topic. But the idea but of school ethos like, and how like you, you talked about in the classroom, if you can build that that camaraderie in the classroom, build that camaraderie in the on the field in the team environment. That's what creates the successful learning environment. Is that type of harmony? There we go. And then yeah. you get the winning champions. You get the banners yeah. and everything. Just yeah. it's glorious from then on. Absolutely. Alex Rosenblum, wonderful to yeah, have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That was thank a lot of fun. Very much. So. It was a lot of fun for us too. Thank All you. All right, appreciate it. Awesome. You've been listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Damon. If you'd like to recommend a guest for a future episode, you can send your suggestion or questions to nat at reachacademics.com.